Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, John? How are you? I, I heard that there was something going on up there that uh, we kind of need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not not necessarily a slow news day here in Charlotte soccer. Uh, I mean, well, I how. Jarrett and I were talking about this in hour number one, and and I guess let me let me just start with this. The timing seems odd because we're talking what thirteen days after the last match of the regular season, and you n- announce this now. It just seems it just seems kind of an odd duck right now. Uh, I I think it is and isn't it. At the same point in time, I think the one thing that they were kind of wrestling with right now is they wanted to do their offseason review. And, and I think it was comprehensive in nature. And they're kind of going through the different decisions that need to be made in terms of, you know, this player wants to go this place or this player wants to be retained. They had made their certain uh, evaluations in terms of who wanted to stay and whatnot. And I think part of that was, you know, what to do about the head coach. And from what I understand, and it's been reported now uh, by Carol Walton of the Charlotte Ledger, that apparently David Tepper had a meeting with uh, sporting director Zoran Cornetta and President Joe Labou Tuesday afternoon, and they made the call then. And and they being, I think it was a collective decision. I think the, the feeling is that Latanzio had gotten them to a certain ceiling. Um, and as a result of that ceiling, they felt like uh, they couldn't get further than that. And as a result, they felt like they can get further with somebody else. And I think it, it didn't necessarily go from a standpoint of unseen where they saw a lot of teams that they had either triumphed against or had blown leads against that are still playing in the playoffs. Atlanta being a prime example, Orlando being a prime example. And, you know, a lot of those drop points, the 25 points dropped from winning positions came against, you know, peer group teams. And also some of those were again against higher level teams, like, you know, the Nashville's of the world, but even no Nashville's another team that ended up losing and uh, was two and Q in the playoffs. So I think, these decisions are not made in a vacuum, John. I think they're made from the standpoint of how do you go about and get uh, the return on some of the ambition that this club has said to want over the course of the first two seasons. And while making the playoffs is a significant accomplishment, I don't think anybody's downgrading that. I think they felt like they could have gotten further and maybe even had a, a more secure spot in the playoffs, maybe even be playing in a three-game series as opposed to uh, bowing out in the, in the play-in round. So then let me let me ask it this way. How much of those lost points and opportunities is player execution in the final 15, 30, 45 minutes of a match? And how much of it is or was from what you've been able to glean and observe? How much of that was 
coaching philosophy, tactics, adjustment. How much of it, this is the chicken or the egg argument, I guess. Is it touchline or is it what's going on on the field that caused all of those absences of points? Well, I think the, the one thing that was incredibly evident from a criticism standpoint of Christian Latanzio is that he basically had tactically one avenue for victory, which was play out the back, uh, possess the ball, play the beautiful soccer, et cetera, and so on, and you know, win that way. There never really seemed to be a plan B or a desire to, to change the mechanism as you went throughout a game. Like if the first plan didn't work, it didn't seem like there was a plan B. And one other frustration, and I know fans saw this, and, and a lot of people, even Jess and I both, uh, were kind of critical of this point. There was a lot of experimentation with guys uh, basically put in as square pegs into round holes. Uh, Brent Bronico left back experiment against Atlanta being the prime example that I think your listeners and viewers would very much look at and say is something you looked at and we both kind of had our heads scratching. You know, why are you putting a guy who's mostly played as either a central midfielder or an eight in a left back position? I understand that there were some taxes on the position as it were, but that didn't seem like what I would consider to be a fit necessarily in terms of when you had other guys who could play that position ready and available on your roster. Um, Carol Svidersky at, at right wing was something that was used as an experimental situation during the early part of the season that also didn't work. And it just seemed to me that he kept on trying to force feed guys into situations where, uh, and this was one of the words that was said by the sporting director uh, in the report I mentioned with Carol Walton, where they were set up to fail and, that's a part where I feel like uh, the reasoning behind the firing is that they felt like he didn't necessarily feel like he gelled with this group of players and, and the players didn't gel with the system that he was trying to implement. And as a result, it led to a lot of, I think, defensive miscues. Uh, there were a lot of zonal marking issues, especially late in games in terms of, you know, they almost felt like they were in two minds. They almost kind of wanted to push forward. Uh, but then also bunker uh, in terms of trying like they were trying to do two things at the same time. And it led them almost getting stretched out too far in the back. Uh, I think he was somebody who, especially early last year, was criticized with bunkering too early. And I think he almost took that criticism as to, oh, well, you know, that means now we have to we have to go for it even when we're up a goal. So I do feel like it was a scenario where you have a coach who's in his first head coaching job and he's throwing everything at the wall. And, and I think he filled the players almost with kind of almost too much information at times. And as a result, it was a scenario that just did not fall in uh, the player's favor when they were on the pitch. And yeah, you can look at the players tactically. A lot of it was individual from an error standpoint, but it's easier to get rid of the one man at the top. As we always say in sports, John, it's always easy to get rid of the one man as opposed to getting rid of 11 or, you know, one guy individually here and there. Uh, and I feel like the, the sporting department felt like at least from their standpoint that, they kind of felt like they had reached their ending point with Latanzio. So now as we discuss that plate of spaghetti being thrown on the wall and trying to turn it into a Picasso here, uh, the future, when it comes to players staying, going, turnover, all of these kinds of things, for folks that have not been following the day-to-day -day like you have, I know that the, the beacon of this is Federsky and trying to figure out what his future is. How different would you anticipate this roster being with a new coach coming in as this added dynamic here for 24? I think regardless of the coaching move, it was going to be a transformative offseason for Charlotte FC uh, from the standpoint of 
they have not gotten what they would consider to be as adequate output from the designated player position. And that's Svidersky included. And Svidersky's played very, very fine. Uh, but he's not somebody who you'd look at and say is playing on, I'm just going to throw a name out there, Tiago Amada's level. And again, I know that's a, a hard thing to get to but i'm just saying uh, yeah. when you're a designated player you're wanting to be some you're wanting somebody who's you know in the top five in the league in scoring and you know goal contributions and things of that nature and 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 while Svidersky is somebody who is an international caliber player and, and somebody who is uh, obviously somebody who was part and parcel to charlotte fc's success this season i feel like you know they feel like they can do better and, and as a result of of his talk, he has been very, very vocal about the fact that he wants to play in Europe and possibly get back to a top five league. Uh, he's been very, very vocal about the fact that he and his agent are trying to find another spot for him. I'm not going to sit here and say I'd be shocked that he's back on the roster in February. I don't know if the head coaching change is, a, is an indicator of that either. I think it's a situation where he kind of had his mind made up no matter what. He wants to be back in Europe, have a closer opportunity to play in international matches with Poland, et cetera, and so on. I think it's very fair that they at least move on from one, maybe not two DPs in the offseason just because of the fact that they want to increase the output you get from that position. But I also feel like, you know, there are moves that can be made over all three phases of the game uh, outside of goalkeeper. I feel like they could probably make some more inroads at the midfielder position. They still don't have what I would consider to be a bona fide number 10 on the roster. They tried to shoehorn Breck Diahare into that role at times. It didn't work. Uh, he was probably more fit on the wing. Uh I still think that there could be a move made. Uh, there was a potential for uh, a guy, a couple of guys to move up from the MLS Next Pro level. I found it very interesting that one of the guys who was not retained on the MLS Next Pro level was David Pareba, who was somebody who was one of their uh, one of Crown Legacy's best midfielders during the regular season, played almost every minute for the club, and was their captain in most matches. So I look at him as somebody maybe who could be an elevated guy, and even uh, somebody who was in the uh, MLS Next Pro Best 11, uh, Joao Pedro, who uh, could very well also feature from the defensive standpoint. So a lot of this could be, and even also uh, – uh, Nikola Pekovic as well, uh, who was a very high dollar signing for them uh, with Crown Legacy. They took advantage of the fact that there was no salary cap uh, and they paid, I think, a reported $3 million to get him over here as a Serbian youth international. I think he's somebody also who could figure as part of the uh, the upward movement from Crown Legacy to the, to the first team potentially. Uh, but I think also they were going to be very, very active in the transfer market during the winter and, and figure out what they could bring in from a, a fit standpoint. I think a lot of that also depends on which head coach they hire. Uh, I know you're probably going to ask me which one is uh, who are the leading candidates, <laughs> but uh, I really don't know. Sir, instant I, reaction. That's what we're hunting for. I understand. I, but I, I do feel like it is going to be transformative from a player aspect. I do feel like there are going to be some changes made, but I, I do feel like a lot of the core is going to stay. I think, you know, players like Ashley Westwood, Brent Bronico, Dilson Melanda are still going to be part of the team. I don't see them making a change at goalkeeper. I think they like Kalina, unless there's a, a head coach who feels a certain way about him and, and wants to maybe up, upgrade to that position. They also have a pretty good uh, couple of goalkeepers at the MLS Next Pro level, and Isaac Walker, who won the uh, Goalie Wars competition, and Chichuro Odunze, who's very young but came over from Leicester, somebody who maybe can also fit, factor in. They also like George Marks as well, uh, the drafted kid out of Clemson. So uh, I do feel like there are some options, but I also feel like there are, there are some other parts of this team that uh, are building blocks going forward. Even a guy like a Kerwin Vargas, who I think came into his own at the end of the season with some very, very good form. I think they want to try to capitalize on that as well. Three-way dance. Jared Smith joins us now to discuss the breaking news out of Charlotte this morning. And uh, Jared, I yield the floor to you. The next question for Willie P. Hey, Willie. Um, it, I guess the, the, what's 
what's been your take on the timing of all of it? Because like we were talking about it earlier, that it just I I think I think I thought everything was going to stay the same after you know forty eight hours after the Red Bull game when things didn't happen, and then to, for it to hit this morning, it just feels feels like maybe I don't know. It feels weird. Like was you think it was like a discussion and you know maybe in the last few days of hey maybe we just need to go our separate ways. Again, I think it was more comprehensive than just they, they didn't want to make a gut reaction off of the the playoff disappointment. I think that was the kind of big thing is they wanted to kind of take some days to to mull over the decision uh, and go over some of their end of season uh, decision making on players and and then take a beat on that and maybe get Latanzio's thought from a philosophical aspect and what he wanted during the off season and then after hearing that. Uh, have the front office meet together and see what they think about that. I, I don't think it's a scenario where they're, they're behind in any aspect. I think whether you did it now, whether you did it 13 days ago, I don't think it's necessarily a, a big, big difference. Uh, I think you're still dealing with the same teams that are looking for head coaches. Uh, I think, you know, Portland's made their move, obviously, with with Phil Neville, and I know that there's still some open jobs, you know, Carol, uh, Colorado, D.C., et cetera. But I, I do feel like from the standpoint of where they're at, if they wanted to make this move, they probably already had a short list. And I think if you're any, if a sporting director is anybody of assault, you kind of always have a short list ready to go. It's not as if they would have lost some time by doing it 13 days ago versus doing it now. I feel like they probably already had an idea in their mind about wanting to make this happen. Uh, I was very, very careful with the way that I personally talked about it because I didn't really get a good uh, indication as to whether or not he'd be safe even after the playoff disappointment. I, and I think, Part of the way they played in the playoffs uh, is an indicator of that. I think, you know, the the playoff loss to Red Bulls was almost a microcosm of a lot of the problems that we'd seen with them this season, you know. And I think the inability to adapt, uh, as I mentioned with John earlier, the, the inability to really know where your best 11 sits until a latter point of the season, uh, the constant changing in and out of guys and putting them into positions where uh, they were not necessarily adept at playing. And I think, you know, while people will look at the timing, I, I think – a lot of fans, I will say this from, from their perspective, a lot, a lot of fans, this, this is something they welcomed it. And and I'm not saying that you make decisions solely based on on the fan base, but there were a lot of vocal people about, you know, whether or not they wanted to necessarily, you know, renew their tickets because Otanzi was staying, et cetera, and so on. Again, I know that, that that was not the reason that they made this decision, but I think rapport with the fan base or a lack said thereof is, is just another tick of the box in terms of whether or not they made the decision now or, or two weeks ago. And I also think, too, Jarrett, that, you know, the the feeling is that, you know, with a lot of established clubs, you know, your, your Barcelonas, your Real Madrids, you know, you're, you're playing in a system there where you have identities. And Charlotte had really failed over the first two seasons to really establish a defined identity. And, and what defined identity they had established was the 25 points dropped in in winning positions. And that's the part that I feel like they wanted to try and get away from that narrative as much as possible. And I also think, too, that they want to get a coach in here that players are going to want to come play for. Uh, it's not necessarily Latanzio is a bad person or is a bad coach or whatever, but I don't know if he's necessarily attracting you know a big-money player to this organization. And whether or not they can actually hire that man, whether that person exists, I think remains to be seen. But I think you'll see the way they go through their coaching search, I'm not saying you 100% 
browbeat. We want somebody with head coaching experience or major head coaching experience. So we want a name. We want a splashy hire. But I think the, the way they'll go through this search, at least from a speculative aspect, is that that they will uh, probably insist on somebody who is going to bring a certain level of player here from an attractiveness standpoint that they couldn't get with their previous head coach. But don't you also, and this is the balance, I guess, that we're staring at here, is that you've got to win the press conference, especially for a, a young team and a club that is trying to, to fill up a rather large stadium. And then you risk that whiplash of, you know, if the, the guy that you had was, uh, pardon my French, a hard ass, and I might have just earned our explicit rating for today, then you go to the player's coach and you you risk that that 180-degree whiplash in trying to figure out, okay, what kind of a, if this kind of a coach, if coaching philosophy and personality, A, did not work, then obviously we have to go the other direction to see if that works. So there's a lot of things in play here, personality whiplash and winning the press conference too. I don't disagree, John, and and it it's a dynamic scenario, right? And 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 the the t- the tenor of a locker room is a very delicate thing. Um, we saw it obviously come to a head during the first head coach's tenure with Charlotte FC, Miguel and Hal Ramirez, and that there were some issues that were very highly publicized after the fact. And and while people were surprised uh, on the outside of the move that was made there, I don't think they were surprised once they saw the things that came out about why that move was made. And, and you and I have talked about those in, in various indications and in, in various uh, ways. But I think this is a scenario with Latanzio where you also, I don't want to say you kind of had that same feeling. I don't, I don't think that's the same. I don't think they're, those two were necessarily connected and correlated, but I think players are going to want to play for a head coach who gives them an opportunity to have belief and a belief in, the, in their ability to, to make them win. And and I think anybody is going to have an open mind in terms of, okay, somebody's going to come in here new with new philosophies. I don't think you completely throw the baby out with the bathwater because you have players that are fit to fit a certain system. Um, but I also feel like there were players who were brought in and, and didn't fit the system the way that I feel like uh, Christian Latanzi was trying to make them fit in. And so I think they've got to gauge uh, the right balance between somebody who's going to obviously be an attraction for players, but also somebody who is going to fit the players who are existing with this current system, because uh, it's not like you can go out in this league. And I know that this league is known for turnover, but it's not like you can go over and turn over 20 uh, players in a 30-man roster. It just doesn't work that way, especially with the given uh, the salary cap restrictions, et cetera, and so on, and all the, the way the deals work. And 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 that's so, so you have to find somebody who's at least going to be able to work with these players. And that's the the one part about uh, this move that I think is incredibly challenging for the sporting department is is how do you how do you serve both of those those masters, so to speak? Jared, go for it. As far as looking for guys to fill that spot, um, and how much, I guess, because I think this is something that, that people give different answers on, but how much of it for you is is, a, is is it important to have that familiarity with MLS because it is such a unique league to different coaches who come from all over the world versus somebody who might have experience within the league itself because it's such a weird animal? I think it's definitely a factor. Um I think Miguel and Hal Ramirez, one of our conversations that we first had, he and I together, uh, kind of the first interview, and I asked him about that, and, and he was very candid about the fact that the league uh, has some some barriers for 
coaches who have not coached in it before and 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 the rosters aren't necessarily as plentiful uh from a, a downstream aspect that they are in, in some of the leagues in South America and Europe where he's coached and 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 while that's improving with MLS Next Pro and and the player pathway is something that is now being I think looked at a lot more carefully by the way Major League Soccer is legislating itself I think that there's still limitations and and as a result you need somebody who is familiar with those limitations and familiar with those avenues in order to try and get success. And and I'm not saying that MLS experience is a 100% uh, determiner, but I mean, you saw Portland with Gary, with, with a Phil Neville rather. I mean, that I think that was one where you look at it on the surface and say, Hmm, how does that fit? But when you, when you go a little bit deeper, you go in there and you say, okay, this is a well-established organization that, wanted to hire somebody who knows what it's like to manage in major league soccer and maybe got a bit of a raw deal in Miami because of what was on the, uh, uh, coming down the pike with Messi, et cetera, and so on. And as a result, maybe as a situation where you go out and you resurrect somebody's career there, am I saying, do you want to hire somebody who's a recycled MLS manager right away? No. If you can find somebody who has either got, you know, European experience or South American experience and, and, and wants to try their hand at the league, uh, I think you go into that with with open arms, but also with the understanding that, hey, this isn't exactly a league where you look at and you say you can have a full run of it. You can do that with up to three players, but you also have to build a core. And I think that's the one thing that the sporting department will tell you right away. Uh, Zoran Carnetta has said this on multiple occasions. He said that, you know, they they didn't really value MLS experience as something that was, you know, 100% absolutely needed from not just a... Uh, uh, understanding of the rules standpoint, but even going down to the players who are the, understanding how the league works. And, and I think that's the part of it that he would concede that, you know, they probably didn't necessarily value at the beginning, but now they certainly value it now. I think you look at the way that they went about their business during the like, last couple of transfer windows, and they've tried to find players with MLS experience, and, and they've brought guys in here who know the league and, and know how to play in the league. And, and as a result, I think that they're better for it, but at the same time, just just trying to pigeonhole yourself and say, "Oh, we got to go hire somebody who's got MLS experience." I, I don't think you're uh, you're casting a wide enough net, and I do feel like they're going to cast a wide net in terms of the way this search is going to go. And, and uh, wrapping up with uh, Will Pelagic, play-by-play voice of Charlotte FC here on SDH with the breaking news out of Charlotte, Christian Latanzio parting of the ways with uh, Charlotte FC. You're already getting a groundswell on the Twitch pitch uh, of some of some suggestions. One suggestion. A, don't hire Adrian Heath, but <laughs> Gio Savarese to Charlotte. Since Gio's out on the market, we mentioned the idea of MLS managers who know the landscape and everything. Gio to Charlotte. And every, Gio's getting a groundswell of, uh, of, of likes uh, uh, here in the, in the Twitch pitch early in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's an attractive option. It definitely is. Uh, you know, having seen what he's done with Portland, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not. 100% against the, I, I, I'm at the point right now where, where no idea is a bad one right. for me, John. I'm, I'm, I'm again, this, this firing is literally only two hours old. So I'm, 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 I'm all good ideas. now that's what we're doing. We're trying to get results into that market. Absolutely. Um, I, I do think that this is going to come rather swiftly. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they have somebody in place within the next month, uh, I don't think they want to go into the winter transfer window uh, without a head coach. So again, I think that's going back to Jared's question. I don't think you make this move 13 days after the season, if you haven't already built together a short list right. or you haven't 
potentially vetted guys already about, hey, you know, what's your interest? Uh, I know the, the the name that was thrown out there by Jorge Gonzalez, uh, top in 90, as he's known on Twitter, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was, uh, was touring some different MLS facilities and he toured Charlotte FC's brand new facility. And, and there was a report, I think, back on the 11th of October when Charlotte FC was still pushing toward the playoffs that, that he was interested in potentially coaching Charlotte FC. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a, a proper report to, to go off of, but you know, I, I think it's a scenario where they've probably already kind of made their intonations in terms of, you know, okay, if we were going to make a move, is this a job you'd be interested in? So I think they, they have probably, you know, when you, when you're wanting to make a change, I think you've already done some due diligence and that's not meant to sound disrespectful. That's not meant to sound in any way. uh, I would say undermining of the manager, but it's not as if the manager is replaced without valid reasons to replace him. And so as a result, I, I think you've already kind of done some some early groundwork on that. And I don't think they'll be behind on that search as well. I, I think that they're that that's to say I'm not gonna give give you a drop dead date, but you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Charlotte FC doesn't have a a new head coach under the tree by the time we're opening presents on Christmas. I was gonna say, uh, you know, when 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 we come up with uh, new managers and players and things like that, quoting Fred Dalton Thompson in the hunt for red October. Russians don't take a dump, son, without a plan. <laughs> exactly. So that's where we are. Uh, what's the, what's it looking like uh, coverage today all day up there in Charlotte? What's the car wash like? I'm probably going to be uh, doing some more appearances on our shows. Uh, I know our, our radio station's talking about it. Uh, we had the news for you first uh, right after 9 o'clock uh, on WFNZ, and I'm sure more coverage on this. Uh, when uh, I know Jess has got a coaching clinic right now, but I think the two of us will probably get together for a podcast to uh, maybe uh, give the final postmortem on the season. We had been kind of waiting ourselves to do our own uh, season postmortem because, again, I think both of us really didn't feel comfortable to be sitting there and saying, hey, you know, he's okay. Yes, 100% for sure. And I think that that uh, that end of season evaluation needed to kind of fully take place before we uh, really kind of put the ball on the season. and. Uh, now that that move has been made, I think we can fully k- take a step back, look at the season, look at what needs to improve, and and ultimately, uh, who's going to be running our club here in 2024. Looking forward to it. Will Pelagic, play-by-play voice of Charlotte FC up there at WFNZ. Thanks for dropping in on short notice with the breaking news out of Charlotte this morning. Uh, anytime, my friend, you know what's going on, just uh, bang, on, bang on the door, you know we'll answer. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate you guys. There we go. Will Pelagic, Willie P. Style on the Twitters and the 280-character app, man. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. 